Front office, please hold. It is a dimension as vast as space and as timeless as infinity. It is the middle ground between light and shadow, between science and superstition, and it lies between the pit of man's fears and the summit of his knowledge. This is the dimension of imagination. It is an area which we call the Kevin Zone. <laughs> Welcome, everybody. The boys are back. Run off his podcast. We're coming at you live. And it's a special edition of the show tonight. We have had a little bit of a shakeup. Jethro has had way too many gummies. You know this. We are in the Kevin zone. I will be assuming the duties of host tonight. Uh, duties. And Jethro and Kyle have found a way <laughs> to completely take on what I consider the most epic and important part of the show, anything that I say or do. <laughs> to switch up, to switcheroo. Guys, how are we? We're chilling. We're chilling. Uh, you know, I uh, I wish I was somewhere else right now. Um, you know, lots of uh, lots of things going on in my life, and um, yeah, just uh, surprised we're still going here. What are wow. you talking about, idiot? <laughs> Never a dull moment with these guys, super cynical and nihilistic at any turn. But I'd be remiss if I didn't mention our sponsors. Um, of course, Kyle, hit him with that promo code. Promo code for what? The BTP Smoke Shack. Oh, uh, Fop 10. Fop 10. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and you, of course, know that that's FOP 10 front office podcast. Sorry, guys. I was just leaving the bathroom. Sorry. Taking care. This is going off the rails quick. And of course, uh, we are sponsored by Jethro's sponsor in life, the Human 2.0, the greatest physiotherapy, orthopedic surgery, personal training, multi-establishment in the history of places that do those kinds of things. <laughs> and, <It's a> place. <laughs> and Kyle, what is it that they are offering? Because I can't remember. <laughs> I think it has to do with something about a free trial class. And then you mention the show or something. Yeah, if you sign up today and use promo code FOP2.0, <laughs> you will receive a free class. <laughs> which is great because that's something none of us have. This is going so much better than I thought. <laughs> I'm going to be honest, guys. 
this bizarre world is about as far as I went in any kind of brainstorming for today. And uh, yeah, guys, what's going on? <laughs> Fill me in about your lives. How are things going? Oh, you know, I was just, I was just hanging out in front of my computer teaching gym class. And, uh, you know, life is good. Life is good. You know, I got four kids, and uh, one of them's probably going to interrupt us as we're doing doing the show, and I'm going to yawn and burp throughout my own segments to interrupt myself. And um, yeah, as far as things go, things are things are all right. So, um, but uh, I mean, are we going to talk about what happened on the weekend with the Masters? Let's talk about what happened on the weekend with the Masters. Who tuned in to the Masters over the weekend? I mean, I, I watch sports on TV, and that's why I do so well when I do this show. You didn't watch the Tigra? I didn't watch the Tigra. No, I, I didn't. Wa- I, I didn't watch anything. So, so let's just put it this way: you didn't want. If you watch Tiger on Friday or Thursday, Friday, you were good. If you watch Tiger on Saturday, Sunday, bad. And I think okay. everyone could agree. If you watch the Masters on the weekend, all you did was watch Tiger, watch Tiger Woods, Friday, Saturday, <laughs> regardless of how he was playing. Yeah. Oh man. Um, then what? Uh, there was a massive UFC card last weekend too, with uh, some interesting fights. Anybody watch oh. that? Do we do this normally? Do we talk about general sports small talk when we start, or do we just jump into the segments? So, you know, you know, what's funny is that usually, you know, the host will, you know, prepare something to carry on a little bit of a conversation to, and, you know, get the, get the juices going with the show. And then, you know, you kind of transition into the different segments that we do every week. So that, uh, that would be what the host would do in that scenario. Okay, good. So something that, uh, that I was thinking about earlier, did anyone see what happened to Clayton Kershaw? He's had 80 pitches and they pull him. He is six outs away a from a game. perfect game. It would be the 24th perfect game in MLB history. Of all the years that they've been playing games, he is on his way to a perfect game and they pull him. Now, uh, people from the inside are saying before the game started, he had requested 80 to 85 pitches at the most. And, you know, the way baseball and pitching has been talked about, they do mention, um, you know, trying to have a pitch cap or, or, or what have you. but that's decided at the beginning of the game. Things got to change when we're in a perfect game. <laughs> you, would <Right>? <laughs> you would hope. You would hope. I mean, you know, I read something, and you know, I'm in total agreement with it. I think Kev, you had sent it to us earlier. Like, if it's a no hitter, yeah, for sure, you you have that conversation, and I think that the decision needs to be made because I mean, no hitters, there's way more of those than than perfect games. You just kind of hit the nail on the head when you just mentioned like there's only been 23 perfect games in the history of Major League Baseball. You have one of the best pitchers of all time who's on his way to his first perfect game and he gets pulled. Like, I know that you have something set up at the beginning to say 80, 85 pitch, you know, pitch count. But at that point, you've already made it through seven innings with 80 pitches. Like, you're not throwing out, you know, 20 to 30 pitches an inning so if you extrapolate that over the next two innings you're still going to be under 100 pitches it's not that many pitches Clayton Kershaw has been in games where he's thrown 132 pitches before 
Like, I don't know. Like, it just, it doesn't make sense to me. I, I think that, you know, it was a spur of the moment thing. And like, you're really seeing a lot of these analytical, you know, maneuverings in, in major league baseball now, especially when it comes to like pitchers and, you know, uh, wear and tear on their arm. And actually that'll be a good transition for what I'm going to talk about with constantly improving today. But, you know, it's, it's an interesting, interesting time in baseball because you're seeing a lot more of these things happen where pitchers are going into the sixth and seventh inning and they haven't given up a hit. And then the manager's yanking them from the game. doesn't make sense. Stupid. Yeah, what's your take? Stupid. All right, good talk. Yeah. Just to be clear, <laughs> I know well, it's not you know what? for me to be hosting, but I am asking you a question. And when humans <laughs> do that, Jethro, you people tend to communicate with words afterwards. Listen, Nobody I don't, make noises, though. Listen, I don't know who I am right now. These gummies I are starting. That. Listen, these gummies are starting to hit. Look, he's and, sweating. He's sweating. Look, look, at, look and, at he's sweating. And I'm watching. I'm watching <laughs> the Atlanta Charlotte game. But I, but I was watching it and getting an online feed and it was going in slow motion. So I didn't know if it was me or if it was the TV. So, so sorry, I was tripping a little bit. Do However, clear, before we started filming the show, Jethro stood up and started moving back and forth. And I didn't know if he was trying to get something or salsa dancing. In either case, <laughs> I knew we were doomed from the start. With the hosting, <laughs> but this just adds, you know what? He, he's the Charlie Day. He's the wild card. The wild card. We want the wild card, baby. But check it out. But check it out. I will say this. Fuck, I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> I offer you an egg during these trying times. No, no, I, I'll remember. I'll remember. Oh, it was the Clayton Kershaw thing. So remember, we were, we were talking, talking about that five minutes ago. No, listen, listen, hear me out. It was we last saying, week, Jethro. <laughs> we were saying, because uh, Keys, you weren't here yet, but we were saying, imagine if people in real life, like this staff, had a Madden awareness score. How many people in the real world would have a Madden awareness score under 50? Oh, it's 95% of the population. <laughs> there you go. There you okay. go. If you walk in a mall, a especially mall, especially you ghouls who listen to this show, mm-hmm. <laughs> nice. thank you. And of course, Kyle's joking, everyone. We love each and every one of you three people that listen to this show, and uh, we we really want to thank our uh, listeners in India who made us the number one English language podcast in all of India, a country with a billion plus people in it. Fantastic. You don't speak for Gabbo. All <laughs> <laughs> uh, the kids in Springfield are little pukes. <laughs> They're all the less obese. Less obese. That's it, little SOBs. Um, speaking of SOBs, Jethro, I think for another. Famous installment of your grinding beans. Grinding beans. Well, thank you for that beautiful segue. Um, you know, it's uh, it's, it's not every day that oh fuck it, I'm high. Listen, uh, my grinding beans today. Uh, 
I, I had a few choices. I, had, I was thinking about the Clayton Kershaw situation that you just mentioned. Give her grind uh, beans on weed. <laughs> well played, John Stewart. Well played. <laughs> Listen, there's grinding beans, and then on weed, it's like, <laughs> so um there was also a post that uh you guys sent a while back showing how um women's soccer was getting ratings that were comparable to mls ratings so i was thinking about that grinding my beans too but i settled on a pipsqueak who works as an analyst or a consultant, I don't even know what the fuck he does for the NFL named Adam Schefter. This piece of shit, okay? Unfortunately, everybody knows tragically, uh, at least in the sports world, everyone tragically knows what happened with uh, Dwayne Haskins, um, former uh, quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, that is unfortunate. Our condolences go out to him and his family um, and his friends and everything because that's that's messed up. It was going to be his birthday at the beginning of next month. And uh, that's that's just a sad story. Now we enter Adam Schefter, this piece of garbage. First of all, we, we're not, I will speak for myself. I'm not a fan of the dude because... Well, none of us are. Okay, well, I said I didn't want to speak for you guys, but... The thing that bothers me the most about this guy, other than the fact that he's full of shit, is the fact that when someone tragically passes away or passes away at all, why would it be, especially in the sports world, why would it be, you know, your thought process to talk about how Yes, he was a standout quarterback at Ohio State. Could have stopped there. Could have literally stopped there and said, standout at Ohio State, picked first overall. Uh, sorry, picked in the first round, tragically passed away. That's it. Just leave it at that. This piece of, this piece of garbage decides to, first of all, take to the Twitterverse because you know all the toughest people and all the smartest people to go to the Twitter verse. I'm on Twitter. I'm not very smart, but not very tough he just, either. He just, <laughs> so, so, so he just, <laughs> so then he decides it's a good idea to highlight the fact that Dwayne Haskins had some struggles in the NFL. What is the point of that? What is the purpose of that? How is that helping the situation that we know tragically unfolded? How does that help the situation? And you know what I couldn't help but think? I couldn't help but think a lot of people had, you know, contentious feelings for former Ottawa Senators owner, Eugene Melnick, okay? And even when he passed, I did not see negative tweets negative like maybe fans said certain things we can't control that but you're in the public eye as a quote-unquote journalist analyst whatever people were not a fan of eugene melnick and when he passed away they still didn't say anything negative about him they respected the fact 
that, hey, this guy passed away tragically. Maybe this isn't the time. Maybe this isn't the place where we highlight the negative aspects of what people thought about this guy. It was one of the most uh, classless moves I've ever seen a person do. And the thing that pisses me off about this guy is you've never played the sport. You haven't lived the sport. You have nothing, nothing. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he was a punter. Maybe he was a kicker. I don't know. But as far as I know, this guy has never played in the NFL, never played in the CFL. I maybe was a, a ball boy or a water boy in college. I don't know. This guy decides to comment on this tragedy and decides to take away from the loss and the successes of a young man who had his life ahead of him to focus on the negative aspects of his career. For what? Was it for clickbait? I don't know. It was absolutely classless. It was stupid. And this is just another reason, other than his lack of football knowledge, that shows that Adam Schefter does not belong on, t on TV. He does not belong on Twitter. He does not belong on social media. I have more respect for Mel Kuyper. And y'all know how I feel about Mel Kuyper, okay? Not even, because even Mel Kuyper, he would know to not say something stupid and just leave it alone. I'm done with this guy. I don't even want to talk about it. I'm actually angry a little bit that I wasted a few minutes of my life talking about this guy. That's how much this was grinding my beans. And you know what? I'm glad you covered this, Jethro. That's uh, and a great uh, comparison, a side by side of, of how the media talked about uh, a, a pretty maligned owner in Eugene Melnick. And, uh, you know, they certainly did highlight the fact that there were tensions in the past, but it seemed mostly positive. And, uh, you know, respecting the fact that the person who just passed has a family and has loved ones, uh, whereas Adam Schefter and, and maybe the nature of Twitter, too, and the fact that there's uh, a bit of a limit on, on what you can say, use that limited word space to include something that's just so not connected to what you're talking about, right? young person tragically taken away in the prime of their life as a, you know, as a professional quarterback in the NFL is pretty embarrassing. And, and not the first time Adam Schefter has done something stupid with Twitter. Kyle, what are your takes on it? Fuck Adam Schefter. Yep. Um, again, not something that we need to go over at length again, because I think all three of us share the same viewpoint, but, <clears throat> you know, this is the state of, and I use this term very, very loosely, this is the state of journalism and insider reporting in professional sports now. It's becoming more like the tabloids that you see at the grocery store, where the guys or the girls who release information that's you know, as controversial as possible, or they'll slip in like a snide comment like that just for clickbait. Because don't get don't get it twisted. Adam Schefter is a smart guy. This was absolutely meant to say that what what he said, because he knew that that was going to get him reads, and that's why these people do it. The fact that he hasn't issued an apology and just went and took down the tweet and then took out that one line and then reposted it. 
He doesn't give a shit. He knows he's not going to get reprimanded by ESPN for it. He knows the NFL uh, isn't going to reprimand him for it. The one thing that it probably will do is create a lot of tension between him and the athletes. So maybe he's not going to get the inside scoops like he normally would. But anyone who never actually says who he hears shit from and they say, my sources tell me, I, I've literally lost any and all respect for people like that because this is the kind of shit that they'll put out. They don't care about the, hum, you know, the human side of an athlete. All they care about is writing something either controversial or groundbreaking that's going to get them ratings and reviews. So Adam Schefter, you know where to stick it. Yep. There you have it, folks. Take that uh, Schefter front office podcast, letting you know where you could go. And speaking of where you can go, sometimes where you need to go is a place where everybody knows your name and any injuries you may have and how to heal them. We're going live to Kyle with constantly improving. Well, Kevin, I'm glad that you have turned this over to me on this platform that we have from this podcast because there's something I've really wanted to shout from my soapbox that I stand on, especially when it comes to injury prevention and where young athletes can really, you know, avoid a lot of these long-term issues. What I want to talk about today is specialization in sports. Okay. I think what we see in today's day and age is that you know, what, what, would you, what would you say the percentage is that 80 to 90% of athletes are now specialized where they're not playing multiple sports because there's hockey 12 months a year. There's basketball programs 12 months a year. There's baseball programs 12 months a year. There's football programs 12 months a year. You're seeing athletes at a younger and younger age doing the same sport continuously. The problem with this, other than allowing your children to go and experience other things, is the fact that these sports only concentrate on a specific set of muscle groups. Okay. The biggest issue when you're training for football or training for hockey or training for basketball is you are only lifting weights for that sport. You are only doing plyometrics for that sport. You are only doing movement therapy for that sport. Where this comes into play is that if you do this for long enough, you're going to develop a lot of long-term issues because you're using the same muscles too much so you're going to see muscle issues you're going to see bone issues ligament issues tendon issues all of these things will come back to haunt you you see all the time golfers what happens with them golfers hurt their backs they hurt their shoulders they hurt their hips they hurt their knees because they're swinging a club all the time Hockey players, all they do is train their lower body. Their upper body doesn't get a lot of attention because a lot of their power is coming from their lower body. So you're seeing a lot of hockey players now, if they start at a young age and they go up to play at a very high level, they're developing more issues with their hips, with their ankles, with their knees, because it's nonstop. You know, the thing that people need to realize is rest is a good thing. Repetition is a good thing, but you need to pace yourself when it comes to that. Get your kids playing multiple sports because they work 
multiple muscle groups. Your body movement will change. It will actually help you long-term in the sport that you want to focus on. Do you think that football players would hurt themselves by playing basketball? Absolutely not. When you look like you can hurt, you can get hurt walking down the street. Let's just put it out this way. But an offensive lineman or a defensive lineman, you say, well, they're too big to play basketball. Absolute hogwash. Because what is pass blocking, Kevin? It's just like posting up in basketball. It's playing defense in basketball. You have to move your feet. You keep your body in front of the, uh, of the opposing player and you don't let them buy you. That simulates an act in football. So any football coach who's hesitant to have their kids play basketball, shame on you. Any baseball coach who's hesitant to have their kids play hockey, shame on you. Because what does hockey teach you? You have to learn how to use your hand-eye coordination at a very high rate of speed because it's a very fast-paced game. What does that help in baseball? Well, there's a baseball flying at you pretty fast all the time. Probably good to work in your hand-eye coordination when you're at the plate. So that's my constantly improving today. Don't get too specialized in sports too young because you are going to do damage to your body that is uncontrollable long-term. Back over to you, Kev. Wow. Kyle really laying into it. Um, you know, it's the old adage that uh, the poison is in the dope. And uh, hockey's a great example of that. Hockey, for me, traditionally, has always been a late fall, winter sport. Uh, but for most uh, Canadian kids especially, it's uh, every season sport. And you don't see too many hockey players taking up the sports and it's a sad thing because let's be honest the real reason behind sports isn't to become Wayne Gretzky there's lessons to be learned there's fun to be had and there's just being a kid sometimes and I think too often we see parents uh, kind of projecting their own wishes for their own athletic careers onto their children and as a result some kids aren't getting a chance to play at all um, but great great topic happy you went into it uh, Kyle I'm surprised that you didn't uh, go the route of the uh, $6 million man and talk about every single one of your injuries and, uh, and explain your long road to recovery for each one. The, uh, but I guess we do have a three-hour time limit on this show. So, 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 so on that, we, we can get into that in, in another episode of the Kevin Zone. But um, essentially, the reason I want to talk about that particular topic was because I actually went through that where, you know, I was doing the same repetitive workouts too much when I was young and not until it was, you know, too late was when I started to really, you know, focus on training and other, other facets of different sports. So again, I've lived through that, you know, for a, a, a small portion of time, but you're seeing it more and more often now where kids aren't even allowed to go and play something else because they're worried that they're going to get hurt. And it's actually quite the opposite. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Jethro, anything to add to that? I, I completely agree. Kids are specializing way too much, way, way, way too much. Like, for example, when you see hockey teams training these days, you could tell who the best who you can tell who the goalie is just by the way they move. Cause all the other ones are stiff. All the other ones are stiff, but the goalie can move. Right. And 
it's funny because remember guys even back when when we played right let's think of a lot of the guys who were very good on our team that were you know multi-sport or multi-disciplined athletes right we had you know arguably one of the you know probably on the hall of fame team of our you know the ggs dbs tony plantaja that was a soccer player did a bunch of other things and what happened what did we see phenomenal phenomenal db friend of the show liam dobson played basketball for the longest time till he ate his way to playing football now nah, you know i'm just playing i'm just playing i'm just playing but oh he'll admit that he'll definitely admit that. <laughs> but look at that guy's athleticism you know 300 pounds plus still dunking a basketball to this day and when you see a move as, you know, back in the day as a D lineman or as an O lineman now, as you guys could attest, his feet are, are fantastic. Mm-hmm. Why? Because he played basketball. And, and Kev just mentioned it, you know, re- how he was able to relate posting in basketball to just trans- transferring to another sport. Look at, all, look at all, a lot of the top tight ends that we've seen in the NFL. They just block. They just block out the DB and score touchdowns, right? Antonio Gates, Jimmy Graham, Tony Gonzalez, all those guys, basketball players, right? And then it doesn't stop there because then you have guys like Julius Peppers that are playing on the D line. There's not going to be another Julius Peppers, that, but Julius Peppers playing basketball. Like I'll, I'll never forget the year that Julius Peppers got drafted. I remember watching uh, March Madness and as I was watching March Madness and I saw North Carolina, I was like, God damn, that guy's way too big to be playing like basketball. He'd be playing football. Then in the draft, the next month, he gets drafted second overall in the NFL draft. And I was like, Oh, that makes sense. <laughs> Shout out to the Texans. They're still regretting that one, but I, I, I you know, just a little, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just a little, just a little, but again, all that to say most like the best athletes, tend to play multiple sports like keys. You played hockey. Kev was a, you know, semi-professional wrestler. You know, I played rugby and, <laughs> and volleyball, you know, like we all played different sports and the fact that they're just specializing now trying so hard. I think part of it is like parents living through their kids, to be honest, but at the same time, it's like, you, you it's to, to their detriment, man. Like let them move in different ways so that their body can can adapt and do things that they don't normally do. Let the boy watch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, here's here's one. <laughs> Here, here's here's what here's one that Kev, uh, Kyle probably won't like. But remember the year that um, uh, Ohio State won the national championship. And they had Ezekiel Elliott and, you know, they had just had studs everywhere. Mm-hmm. I'll never forget. I saw a stat that said that out of the 53 on the active roster, 49 were multi-sport athletes. Oh, of course they were. It, it's insane. So it kind of makes you think, like, what, what, where are people getting their information about specializing? The best. And like, this is the thing. You'll look at the best athletes of all time rarely do you name one that played one sport their entire yep. life yep rarely yep, yep. Like, and, and you'll even hear from you know guys like bo jackson and Deion sanders they're the first ones to say 
the only reason I was so good at this other thing was because I was so good at this other thing. Like they go hand in hand. Watch absolutely Dion's double play, the 30 for 30. Insane. You you see that Bo Jackson was on another level. Like Bo Jackson could have been a Hall of Famer in both sports. Yeah. But he never played both sports simultaneously. Dion did and managed to do it because Nike basically covered the expense of him being able to do it. And uh, and the teams that he was playing for didn't like the fact that he was doing it, but they benefited from jersey sales and ticket sales. Dion was the best player in the 1992 World Series for Atlanta. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, if they win that World he, Series, he's the he's the MVP, easily, and yeah. that would have been that would have been it. Yeah, that would have been because that that ends up being the end of his baseball career, right? It was just too much of a distraction. But well, I mean, when, once he got that turf toe, like you're seeing the the detriment of not getting it yeah. fixed back then, right? Like he lost the freaking toe now. His body never never could heal. Well, like right? you're you're looking at him running in that world series and he's like noticeably hobbling but he's still faster than everybody else on the field easily (laughs) like he's stealing bases he's legging out triples like it's it's amazing what he was able to do but like the stat he was like hitting four like 428 in the world series that year yeah they he he said they, they looked at the scouting report i can't remember who the pitcher was for the jays that he matched up the best against but he basically goes, I looked at the scouting report, I saw the sheet, and I was like, ooh, I'm going to eat. <laughs> and that's what he did. Like, he went yeah. into it knowing full well that this was the series made for him. Yeah. And, uh, you know, would he be prime without having done that? Yeah, absolutely. Football, he would have been great. Is he a legend for doing that and basically being the argument that you got to let people be sp- the athletes, let the game be fun for them? Because that's all he wanted to do. He just loved playing. He yeah. wanted to play baseball. He wanted to play football. I mean, the money was good too, but you know. I yeah. Listen, <laughs> I don't <laughs> think he was upset <laughs> about making all that money. But love that money. <laughs> I, I mean, at the end of the day, if if someone loves playing a sport, they have to, right? There's yeah. lots of pros that are there because they're collecting a paycheck and they're just really good. But the ones that you see, like Tom Brady, people could say what they want. That guy's just having fun. Oh, yeah. He, he, loves he doesn't him. want to stop. No. He's having a blast. But, like, again, if you can still do it, play as long as you can because you look at the careers that athletes have, you know, the average career is still three years, and that's skewed because of guys like Tom Brady. Right. Right? Like, Tom Brady's been playing for, for what? This would be his 23rd year? Something like that? Um, I think it's 23. So, yeah, like you think about that, like for all the guys who played 23 years, think about how many guys don't even make it to one year. I mean, like that, that's the crazy part about it. But anyways, go uh, go get your kids into multiple sports, everyone. That's it. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> yeah, first. No one else has ever mentioned this ever. <laughs> Just the front office podcast original. The Kevin Zone, bringing it to you live. Well, you can certainly bet on uh, that, you know, the multiple sport uh, way being the way of the future and, and the Kevin Zone method uh, becoming the new TV 12. But 
Let's gamble a little bit more with our weekly wager. And uh, I can't remember who was up last, but since I'm host and I don't feel like losing again, looks like Kyle and Jethro are going to have a <laughs> weekly wager. Um, gentlemen, lots lots uh, on the go. The uh, NBA uh, playoffs are starting up. I think uh, it's tonight is the play-in games. Well, yesterday and... yesterday was were the first play-in games. Oh, yeah. Yesterday was the first play-in games. Okay. So not going to be gambling on that. So Kyle and Jethro. Well, I, I, I got one. I got one for Jet. I got one for Jet. Go for it, yeah. All right. So we already got – Jet, you mentioned that you're watching the Hawks and Hornets, um, which the Hawks are absolutely demolishing the Hornets right yep. now. Mm-hmm. Um, but we got another game tonight with the Spurs and Pelicans for their play-in game. Ooh. What like do you what do you want to bet on? Do you want to go straight win loss, or do you want to go over under or total points scored? Uh let's go to uh yeah, let's go total points. Make it okay. a little fun. Let's make it fun. Okay, so total points scored right now is set at 224.5. 224.5. God damn. Um Okay. Yeah, you, you can take you taking the under or the over. I'll, I'll throw it over to you. I'll throw it over to you. <clears throat> so two twenty four point five. Yep. Uh, I'm gonna go under. All right. Well, I guess that's only uh, one option for me. So I'm gonna go with the <laughs> over. So uh, yeah, we're hoping for a uh, a very anti. San Antonio Spurs playoff game, which is a high scoring one. Um, all right. So, uh, Kev, because you deferred being the host, what are we, uh, what are we betting on? Well, you know what, since, uh, since this weekend, there's going to be lots of discount chocolate, uh, likely on Monday, I'm going to say to the loser goes, whatever hilarious chocolate sculpture, uh, sorry to the winner. To the winner goes whatever hilarious chocolate sculpture the loser can find on discount on Monday okay. to be shared with the winner's um, children. And uh, let's be honest, it's not making its way to the kids. You guys are just gonna both of you can't trust to let that thing make its way to the kids. So it doesn't matter so where we it. get it. A chocolate bunny doesn't matter. Chocolate where, uh, doesn't matter. Where, doesn't matter where we get it from. <laughs> Jethro, Jethro Lovick. <laughs> I just realized what I said. It was a delay. I'm sorry. There was a delay. I didn't mean it that way. See, you know what? I'm kind of taking a piece from Jethro with the double entendres. <laughs> My brain also went to, uh, was it chocolate starfish and the hot dog flavored water? Yeah, that's a Limp Biscuit album. Chocolate rain. <laughs> uh, shout out to fan of the show, Tay Zonde. Is he living in India now? <laughs> no, Holland. <laughs> one of our other uh, one of our other hotspots for the for the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> one of the two countries that listen religiously to our podcast. <laughs> there is a small cult developing. In India's population of 1.1 billion people. Kev, and I'm telling you, man, you're, you're going to go on a family vacation there and you're going to see your face on a billboard. He's going to be Mr. Sparkle. 
So, Jed, I gotta, <laughs> I, I gotta, I gotta show you. So, my brother listened to the episode where we were talking about making a T-shirt for Kev, and mm-hmm. he actually went and turned Kevin's cartoon face into a zombie face. Amazing! And it is now Kevin's Ghoulies, which uh, which is his new logo. <laughs> so, I'm gonna share that Amazing. with uh, I'm gonna share that with you guys. Here, I'll actually I'll we'll send put it to that you on now. the website. I, I want to get a live reaction out of uh, out of Jet for this. Hold on. Continue. Talk amongst yourselves. But remember to put it put it on the board. Remember to put it on the board. The bet. Yeah, we're gonna mark that up. The weekly wager. Uh, I already forgot what you guys said, but uh, to the winner goes a chocolate uh, hot dog. <laughs> Unbelievable. Oh, and that was not on purpose in any way because we saw a chocolate hamburger today. And I got excited. Hamburger. Um, hamburger. All right. Let's chat about tonight's topic. The topic tonight. <laughs> yeah, I was waiting for him to start laughing. He saw the picture. A horrifying picture, actually. It makes me creeped out. Oh. Oh. It's, it's actually so good. It's so good. <laughs> that is God. disturbing. Even as a so zombie, good. I'm bald. Um, <laughs> well, instead of eating brains, you're eating your own hair. You can't get to the brains. <laughs> That's I'm just slowly working my hairline back. Um, tonight's topic, gentlemen, which I've informed you about pre-show so you should be very prepared like i would be um but basically if you watch the masters on sunday and uh you watched it thursday friday saturday and sunday and you saw lots of tiger woods you may have missed that eventual masters champion didn't necessarily go wire to wire but he went friday saturday and sunday um uh, at that top spot the top of the leaderboard Scotty Scheffler wins his first major. Um, he's got he's 25 years old. He has broken the record for quickest rise to world golfing number one. He's uh, four of the last six tournaments he's in, he's won. And in one of those, he was a top 10 finish. Right. So he's he's really having a 2022. But if you watch the way. He finishes off his uh, first major tournament. If you're watching, he, he was um, he was a 12 under. Uh, Rory McIlroy was sitting in second place. He had a five-stroke lead, I believe it was. Anyways, he gets to the 18th green. He gets, uh, you know, his, his drive kind of cranks off of a tree, lands in uh, almost the rough. I think it was the rough, actually. But it puts himself in a good position, ends up on the green, a long, a long uh, birdie putt to uh, to seal it. Misses. Ends up about four feet from the hole. Guy that level, 18th. Maybe a little bit of nerves. Takes a putt, misses. Okay. He's going to three putt his way. Kind of embarrassing. Let's laugh it off. And sure enough, misses his third putt. And Scotty Scheffler... It's a standing ovation from the grandstands as he four butts his way to a green jacket, giving every Tom, Dick, and Harry hope that just because you four putt your way on the green doesn't mean that you're bad at golf. In the case of pretty much everyone listening to the show, it does. 
And I know for everyone on the show, when we four putt, it's on hole two, and it continues <laughs> that way the remainder of the game. It's because we haven't but, had enough beer yet. That's why. That's 100%. You got to loosen up, right? Yeah. It's about multi sport. <laughs> uh, but Scotty Scheffler four puts his way to a green jacket. He laughs, uh, laughs it off, and then the emotions kick in. Uh, he had his incredible play all uh, tournament to thank for being able to four put his way to a green jacket. Um, but pretty unclutched of this 25-year-old phenom who is now the world's number one golfer. And I started thinking about what are some of the clutch moments, right? You think about Tiger Woods at the Masters. We've seen many a clutch moments. You think of uh, uh, Tiger Woods when he won uh, against Rocco Mediate in the U.S. Open back in 2008, 2009. And uh, he basically had to play lights out golf on that Sunday just to get to a, to a, a playoff. And there was no way he was losing a playoff. But what are some of the clutch performances in sports? And it could be any sport. It doesn't have to be. I think in this show, we talked about greatest Canadian <clears throat> sports moments. It doesn't have to be that. What are the all time, in your opinion, and it could be one or two most clutch moments in sport. And then when we're done, I want us all to share an unclutch moment similar similar to Scotty Scheffler. For ourselves or just in general? No, in general. If you want to share an unclutch or clutch moment of yourself, be f- feel free. Oh, I, you, you, I, might, I, you might as well. I have several. <laughs> I, I mean, I personally have an unclutch moment in overtime of the East-West Shrine Bowl. Or, what, what is it? No, sorry, not Shrine Bowl, East-West game. Yeah. Uh, when I tripped coming out of the huddle. Um, in front of that, 20, that'll go down in history in front of 25,000 people <laughs> and you know what 25,000 people disappeared pretty quickly because all I could see is your smiling face <laughs> laughing at me on the sideline yeah Edgeworth and I managed to sneak on the sideline because uh, I guess we were just you know no one no one thought to check for our uh, our validation but we were literally right beside you when you were doing it it was hilarious um, yep all those people, and I got to see your ass yeah. laughing at me. Uh, yeah. But no, let's talk about clutch moments first. Then we can finish up with an unclutch moment to kind of end this topic. Jethro, I'm thinking about you because you're probably going to fall asleep soon. Uh, <laughs> what's a, what for you is an all-time clutch moment in sports? Um, He has a lot of them, but that flu game with Michael Jordan against the Utah Jazz taking that shot to win the game that's that's iconic like I know he has the other one where he shot over Craig Elo I think shot on Elo God yeah. like the celebration we remember all that but when you look at the context of how he looked like he was dying dying on the sideline and was able to pull that out like it was it By was something way, special. I remember watching it live too. So, food game with air quotes. If you watch the last dance, it was food poisoning. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's right. That's right. Food. Well, regardless, even if you have food poison, that'd be even worse. Poison pizza. Yeah. <laughs> you try not to shit yourself while you should be playing basketball. I had a flu recently, and trust me, I wasn't playing basketball. <laughs> <laughs> now, here's a question 
Michael Jordan was so competitive. Do you think that he would play even if he was shitting himself? Oh, for sure. I agree. Because he probably had money on it. He would bet that he would score a certain <laughs> amount of game. <laughs> but like, but that just goes to show like you have to have a certain level of confidence in yourself if you're gonna like, you know, wager all that kind of shit. And he was definitely betting because you, th- you know, you, we talked about what was it Calvin Ridley a few weeks ago. Michael Jordan for sure bet on his own games. <clears throat> yes, for sure he did. Easily, he, he just used the account Juanita Incorporated instead of betting with the, with, with the, with the Air Jordan brand. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> that the way he was trying, yo, he had money on himself. Oh, 100%. <laughs> and like, rightfully so. Like, if you're that good. I'd, I'd bet on myself 100%. Yeah. Absolutely. You're oh, going man. Michael Jordan. Um, yep, I'm going Michael Jordan. G- game six. 97. Uh, game six. 97. Game seven? No, no, it was 1997. Yeah, 1997. I think, game it, was game, I think it was game five, 1997. Would it have been game five? No, I couldn't have. Did, uh, did Utah have a better record than them that year? Yeah. Okay, yeah, so it was game five. Okay. Yeah, it was because I think it was ninety eight that they went seventy two and ten. No. Uh yeah, well it was his last year, right? Well, no, they, no, no. Utah wouldn't have had a better record if it's game five because remember they used to go two three two. So it was game. It was game five in Utah. Game five in Utah. Yeah. Okay, that's still man. I, I still can I still can like that was when you could see that John Stockton and and uh, Carl Malone. We're just like, yo, we ain't never winning. <laughs> Shit. That dude out there puking his guts out, and we still losing? Dang. I guess I'm going to mail it in. <laughs> nah. Oh, because his right. nickname was the mailman. Ah, I get it. I oh, get there it. we go. I get okay, it. Kyle, Bazinga. Seth, I'm starting to go down a, a rabbit hole over here. Um <laughs> That's what, what the gummies will do. <laughs> what for you is a major moment, a clutch moment in sports history? Well, one of the most clutch players in NHL history. I'm going to talk about him and one of the amazing feats that he was able to accomplish. So I'm talking about the Moose, Mr. Mark Messier. The 1994 Stanley Cup playoffs the Rangers are down three games to two to the New Jersey Devils. The game is back in New York for game six. Mark Messier comes out and says, we're going to win game six, guaranteed. What does he do? He doesn't ride his, you know, his teammates' coattails to that victory. This guy goes out and scores a hat trick to win the game. Like, that's the kind of shit that Clutch is. You go put your ass in the line as the captain of the team and says, you know, you motherfuckers are going to follow my lead today. We're winning this game. And then he goes out and scores a hat trick. Like, amazing performance. And again, led them to an eventual Stanley Cup championship because if they lose that game, they're done. Like, that is the definition of clutch. When you talk about the Rangers had not won a Stanley Cup since the 1940s. And... Ultimately, the city of New York would have rioted if they had lost that series because they went for broke that year. They traded away all their draft picks. They brought in a whole bunch of aging veterans. 
And they needed to win that year because if they didn't, they were going to go through a long rebuild. And after that win, they never really were a contender again until, you know, the mid two thousands, like it was a long time. So the fact that the moose went on the loose, scored a hat trick after guaranteeing a win in game six clutch performance. Yeah, that's a good one. I remember watching that game live too. Um, because that was all anyone talked about, right? Guaranteeing a win, you better put up or shut up if you're going to say something like that. And a hat trick is pretty much above and beyond. I think getting a goal in that game would have been enough vindication that he was living up to what he was promising. Yeah. But uh, yeah, absolutely. That uh, and that Rangers team was pretty damn solid, right? Yeah. If you think back to it, you talk about aging veterans, they seem to only be able to do that for about the next seven or eight years until they started having draft picks again. Yeah. Well, and you want to know what's crazy about that too. So there's actually a 30 for 30 that was indirectly involving this game in this moment. So it was hmm. June 10th, 1994. Oh, Interesting. Yeah. With the OJ Simpson Bronco chase and mm-hmm. Arnold Palmer's last, uh, last major tournament as a professional golfer. Mm-hmm. Wasn't there a ton of things happening in the sports world yeah. during that, that day and it was missed because of the OJ chase? 100%. And that's the thing. No one really remembers outside of New York hockey fans this performance. But again, you look at what was on the line and the pressure that was on this guy because he guaranteed a victory. Like, obviously, you're going to say you're going to win the game because you need to win it. You're down three to two. But just to go out and say it to the New York media, like, that's a different animal in itself. But then he scores a hat trick. Again, Wanted to give uh, wanted to give Mark Messier his credit because OJ stole that from him. Little known uh, factoid about me: I met Mark Messier in a bar, shook his hand. He was talking with Ron McLean, and uh, he couldn't have been any more cordial. Ron McLean, on the other hand, was very upset that I interrupted their conversation. <laughs> That's fine. I get it, Ron. I I too would get annoyed with a nineteen year old drunk version of me. <laughs> but Mark Messier was an awesome dude and also massive. There's a reason they call him the Moose. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, I got a couple of clutch moments here that I want to highlight. Um, we'll go to the world of football. And you think back, and I think we're all watching it in my parents' basement. The 2007 New England Patriots are the first team to finish the regular season uh, undefeated since the 1972 Miami Dolphins. Uh, they have a really good chance of being the second team in NFL history to ever go a full season undefeated with the Super Bowl um, until they run into the lowly underdog New England Patriots, which historically. New York Giants. Did I say New York Patriots? New England Patriots. So they played themselves. Yeah, actually, they really did play <laughs> with the game. Um, they end up going into a game against the New York Giants. Um, and. And as history would tell us, that was a New York Giants team that was just built to tear down that New England Patriots offense, uh, which had been breaking records all year with the Randy Moss, Tom Brady connection. But there's about, there's under three minutes to go in the game. New England is up 14 to 10. New York has the ball. Um, It is quite possibly uh, coming down to being the last play of the game here. Uh, And uh, Manning starts to scramble. He's kind of in hot pursuit by uh, uh, Eli Manning, of course, not the Peyton Manning that we all know and love. 
but uh, the often laughed about Eli. Who the mouth-breathing the mouth breathing Manning. The mouth-breathing Manning, who actually is really <laughs> funny post-football um, with his brother on, on ESPN. But uh, he's draped in New England defenders and somehow finds a way to throw <laughs> downfield to David Tyree, who is also draped by New England defenders <laughs> and manages to catch the ball with one hand and the side of his helmet and pins the ball to his helmet and goes down to the turf hard and in that drop manages to not lose pressure on the ball and drop it and also not allow the ball to come within an inch of touching the ground to make it a reception and continue to drive. And of course, we know the rest is history after that. Um, they complete the drive. They, they score the, the go-ahead touchdown. And the New York Giants, or sometimes referred to as the New England Patriots, what I'm talking. Um, Jeremy Irons. <laughs> Here is a ball. Perhaps you'd like to bounce it. <laughs> go on uh, to win the Super Bowl and kind of be the party poopers. For, uh, for that undefeated Patriots team in 2007, and there hasn't been a team since to go the whole season undefeated. Uh, clutch. Clutch moment by Eli Manning uh, and David Tyree, and, and clutch moment from the offense to kind of finish it off and actually score. But that, that play in and of itself stands out as a clutch moment. Another big one for anyone that was uh, a millennial kid growing up in Canada, but Ontario specifically, you didn't play soccer, baseball at lunch and get a home run and not do the infamous Joe Carter skip run around the bases as you're rounding all the way to home. Uh, the Jays are up in the series against the Phillies, the World Series. It's game six, uh, but the Phillies are leading 3-2 and they don't want to play a seventh game. Okay, Absolutely don't want to go to game seven. The Jays were, uh, at this point, favored to win the World Series. They're uh, defending champions. But 3-2, to two, we're at the, uh, the bottom of the ninth, and up comes Joe Carter. The count's 2-2, two and two, so if he swings and misses, he's out. And uh, Carter hits a three-run homer, and it's a walk-off home run to win the World Series. People kind of remember i remember it as being a grand slam but it was a three-run home run mm -hmm. didn't matter do you remember who was on do you remember who was on base oh was all road on base no so it was the greatest leadoff hitter of all time arguably ricky henderson ricky henderson <clears throat> and the the eventual world series mvp that year who was kind of a higher? Who was a hired gun? Roger Clemens. No, Roger Clemens is a pitcher. Yeah, yeah but it's a World Series. Yeah, well, they're they're playing in Toronto. It's a DH. Oh, right, right, right. I forgot about that. One of the best hitters of all time. Tony Fernandez. Mister Close. Mister Paul Molitor. Paul Molitor. Molitor, of course. Why was I thinking all of So Ricky Henderson and Paul Molitor trotted home with Joe Carter on that home run. Now, that trot was infamous. But talk about clutch, right? Yep. It wasn't like you think about the count. 
if people often when you have two strikes and you're swinging for the fences here, he's got two runners on base. So he's got the tying run and the winning run out there, right? If he's bringing home uh, both of those guys, he strikes out. He really puts them in a bad position, right? It's yep. two outs, the bottom of the ninth, the game over. They're going to game seven. He swings through the fences and cranks a three-run homer to bring everyone home and win the World Series. I think clutch isn't clutch unless there's a lot on the line and you have to take a lot of risk and put a lot of trust in it in your in your own abilities. And that's a great example of a freaking hell of a player, a legend, right? Joe Carter goes down in Canadian baseball history. I mean, baseball history too, but in Canada, he's a legend. You can name you know, the, the top five Canadian sports stars. And you're going to make the argument that Joe Carter goes in there, not because he's Canadian, he's not, uh, but because he did it in Canada. The moment. Canada. Yeah. So I'm going to jump in again with, uh, cause I, I've got, I've got five here that I have sure. outside of the, the Mark Messier one. Um, but I think the two that'll kind of touch on that, I think both are very fresh in all of our minds. So, one of them is more recent, and we're talking about the 2019 NBA championship. And we're talking about game six. You're looking at the Toronto Raptors and Golden State Warriors. And up until that point, one could argue that the team leader, the team captain, Kyle Lowry, hadn't really been one of their top three or four players going into that point. The performance that Kyle Lowry put on in game six that ultimately ended up winning Toronto their first and only NBA championship. He scored the first 11 points for Toronto to open that game. The rest of the team went O for nine to start the game. If you get down in a hole to golden state, you're not coming back. Right. <clears throat> So Kyle ended up finishing the game with 26 points, 10 rebounds, and 7 assists. Like, talk about saving your best performance for when it mattered most. This is a guy who also took charges. He caused I don't know how many turnovers just with his hustle on, on defense. And the leadership that he showed in you know just every facet of the game, this is a guy who had been renowned for being unclutched in the playoffs. And this totally flipped the script. The only time I think of him in the playoffs now is that performance in game six of the 2019 NBA championship. So Kyle Lowry, again, the guy deserves everything that, you know, people make say, oh, well, you know, he wasn't even that good. You know what? People who didn't watch Toronto Raptors basketball for the time that Kyle Lowry was there don't really appreciate him for what he was. Sure, he wasn't a 30-point scorer. Sure, he didn't lead the NBA in assists every year. But this guy brought the tenacity and the work ethic and, and ultimately the, you know, the personality that I think Toronto sports fans really rally around. Because, again, hardworking guy, you know, really put it all on the line every single day. And, you know, if he played bad, be the first one to admit it. So, you know, that was something that was really nice to see for, you know, someone who meant so much to Canadian and Toronto Raptors basketball. And then here's another one that, again... Kevin, you and I talk about this all the time because you actually missed the clutchest part of this game. The 2005 College National Championship between Texas and USC. USC is a dynasty in the making. 
you know, they've already won a national championship. They're looking to win back to back. They've got a roster littered with NFL talent, you know, that's going to get drafted in the future. And then you've got the Texas Longhorns and their absolute leader. Probably the best college football season someone's ever put together. Vince Young and their performance that that guy put on, not only throughout the entire game, but just in that last drive that won them the national championship. USC couldn't peg him for what he was going to do because he was throwing darts all over the field. He was converting fourth downs, and when he needed to, he was running for every single yard he could. He threw and ran for 200 yards each in that game which is so amazing when you think of how good USC was at the time. But the one play that sticks out, and Kevin, you've seen replays of this. You missed it, unfortunately, because you were driving back home. It's fourth and goal from the nine-yard line at USC, and you know what's going to happen. You, you know Vince Young is going to run the football. You know he is. If he sees an opening, he's taking it. USC had a defense in place to take that away. Frosty Rucker, the defensive end for USC, he's got positioning. He sees that Vince Young is going to run. He starts to cut him off, but Vince is just too fast. He gets the corner. He scores the touchdown. And ultimately, the only vision you have from the rest of that game is the confetti coming down and Vince Young with a rose in his mouth, putting the hook'em horns up to the sky because he just won them a national championship. One of the clutchest games I've ever seen a, uh, an athlete perform in. And the best clutch play you could ask for from any type of athlete, professional or collegiate. Yeah, I'm still kicking myself. I, I literally got up like, well, USC's winning it again. See you later. <laughs> got in the car and drove home. It was a Monday night. And uh, yeah, I really regret it. It's just not the same when you can watch it live. I mean... It, it was it was just one of those things where, I mean, not even being a fan of either team, but just appreciating the talent that was on the field on both sides and appreciating what that man was able to accomplish by himself. Because Texas had a good team, but no one, no one gave them a chance unless Vince Young did what he did. So, again, to me, one of the clutchest performances of all time. Easily. Jethro, any more clutch performances coming to your mind, or do you want to move to the unclutch? I got one quick, pun intended, clutch performer. When a dominant champion from Brazil came across a talented, shit-talking Irishman who told him I'm going to knock you out in the first round. Perhaps he said the first minute. I'm not sure. But we later saw videos of him practicing said counter. And uh, I'm talking about when Conor McGregor KO'd Jose Aldo within nine seconds, 12 10 se seconds? 12 seconds. 12 seconds to win the title. But not just that. It's the fact that he told him he was going to knock him out. That's what makes it clutch. 
when you can look at the dude and just say, hey, by the way, I'm going to knock you out and you can do nothing about it. I sounded like Max there for a second. But yeah. um, <laughs> Mystic Mac is back and I predict these things. <laughs> oh, but yeah, man, Conor McGregor, I give him his props, man. He talks a lot of shit, but he was he predicted it. He called his shot. And that's it, man. That was, that was clutch to me. Extremely. All right. Kyle, what's an unclutch moment that stands out for you? Well, just, just the, my, my brief unclutch moment. So I was in a, uh, a basketball tournament when I was in grade nine. And we were the best team uh, in Northern Ontario, won NASA. We were in OFSA. And I got fouled on a shot with under 20 seconds to play. And I could have put us up by three. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I make the first free throw. I miss the second free throw. And the other team gets the rebound and they call a timeout. Needless to say, um, there is a very long ensuing, you know, battle back and forth you know, with the you know, remaining 15 seconds, but they ended up getting the ball back after an, another turnover and they hit a half court shot to win the game by one. And if I had to hit that free throw, we would have tied, went to overtime. So that was an unclutch moment for myself. Um, I got to say the biggest unclutch moment, and I'm going to use like a very recent thing because I think it's really just spawned an absolute moment that I think all our movement that all of us really wished isn't happening. I'm going to go to Ben Askren putting on the least clutch performance in his boxing match against Jake Paul. Thanks asshole, because now you've started this thing and we can't get it back. And your friend tried to write you wrong, but again, being an unclutch member of your team did the same thing, but I'm putting this on you, Ben Askren, because you gave Jake Paul the confidence he needed to step in the ring with actual fighters. And man, do I ever hate it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, also Askren in the opening minutes of, uh, of a UFC fight, taking a knee <laughs> in the face and, and doing his best ragdoll impersonation afterwards. <laughs> Unclutch on his part. Hilarious for everyone else. Jethro, how about you? What's an unclutch moment that stands out for you, whether your own or personal sport? <laughs> My own is at least once a day. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, unclutch, unclutch. Uh, oh. Um, <laughs> when... Uh, Tim, was it Matt Hasselbeck in the playoffs? Oh, yes. <laughs> against Green Bay when they won the toss. And he's like, we want the ball and we're going to score. <laughs> and then proceeds to throw a pick six in overtime <laughs> to end the game. <laughs> Amazing. Definitely, oh. definitely the definition of uncut, un, uh, oh, unclutch. Man. It was so just so good we want the ball and we're gonna score pick six the other way touchdown game over <laughs> I, uh, I think uh one of my favorite things about being a, 
a coach of youth sports is pretty much every game is filled with hilariously unclutch moments. Um, largely because until something happens that you don't necessarily practice for, the kids don't know how to react. Like the times where a kid picks up a ball thinking it's a dead ball and the whistle hasn't gone and the ref has to tell them to keep running. <laughs> nothing, nothing beats watching that. Um, but it's less about unclutch and more about like, it's kind of funny because they're just inexperienced kids learning the game through trial and error. But uh, I think the biggest football unclutch moment that I'll always have in my mind because it holds a special place in my heart for the way I fell in the game. Uh, it's the bots hold by Tony Romo in the 2006 <laughs> NFC wildcard game <laughs> against Seattle. when They're down 21, 20 with a minute 19 left. And uh, the Cowboys lined up for a very easy field goal attempt and Romo botches the snap and then bobbles the ball a little bit more and tries to get up from his crouching position to run. And it almost feels like he never gets all the way up from his crouch till he eventually falls and is tackled short of the end zone, trying to run that touchdown. That to me is one of those unclutch moments, even though he had marched them all the way down the field with like no time on the clock when he had the ball to bring them to a chance to win at that point, their first playoff game since 1995 um and yeah he ends up falling short of the end zone so close so far away and for me it's very reminiscent of that time that someone else stepped on my foot <laughs> as i was leaving the huddle <laughs> an all-star game and fell like a moron in front of everybody but you recovered very smoothly much better than tony romo yeah, you know what? The difference between Tony Romo and I, mine was a dead ball unclutch moment. <laughs> I didn't fall during the actual play. I'm pretty sure I got up and blocked my guy afterwards. Tony Romo decided to call it a call it a season on that ball. Um, all right. Well, you know what? If no one has anything else to say, I can end this mess because I'm the host. So I'd like to thank all of our sponsors. I can't remember who they are, but they were mentioned. <laughs> Jet, you know what to do. Later, Later bitches. bitches. No, no, I'm Jet. I'm God Jet. Damn it. <laughs> You're both, you both can't be Jet. God, I hate the Kevin zone. I hate it so much. <laughs> All right. Later, bitches. Hell of a show. Hell of a show.